check, check. David T. Miller, folks. Loading artist. Audio inside. Loading artist. Audio inside. Oh, it's Artcast, it's Artcast, it's Artcast. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Listen by your easel, maybe you can grab a chair. Or even take it with you like you ain't got no care. Loading artists. Audio inside. Loading artists. Audio inside. So sit back and relax and grab your headphones too. Adjust your volume, it's hotcast. Philip J. Mellon welcomes you. So sit back. Oh yeah, it's Artcast. Loading artists. Audio inside. Loading artists. Audio inside. Hey, and welcome to Otcast. Be sure to check out the artist's websites or otcast.com and check out the work and links. All right, let's get started. Words of the day. Figuration. Abstraction. Sketchbook. Practice and driven. We have two previous guests on the program today. Lauren Levine as guest host, who will be interviewing return guest Paul Banky about his work and practice. Now I'll step aside while Lauren takes over the interview desk. Enjoy everyone. I'm out the door. Thanks. Welcome to Artcast. My name is Lauren Levine, and I'm a Boston area-based painter and a previous guest of this podcast. I'd like to say thank you to Philip J. Mellon, Artcast creator and host, for the honor of being invited to guest host the podcast today. Thank you, Philip. For today's episode, I have the pleasure of speaking with Paul Benke, a Brooklyn-based painter who is currently living and working in New Mexico. I have been following Paul's work for some time and was so excited to have the opportunity to speak with him at length about his work and process. I hope you enjoy listening in on our conversation. Yeah, yeah. So, um, so how do you like your new place anyway? Uh, it's much better than our older place, uh, than the place we moved out of. That was kind of a, actually the landlord still had a bunch of her, uh, her belongings in that place. And it was kind of like living in someone's dark, dusty attic for, oh. <laughs> for about a year. And, uh, but oh, it had fun. a great yard, yard for the dogs. And so it was, uh, it was okay for then. I had a place to paint there. Uh, but this place is just much more windows, much more light, um, newer. Um, and I have a second bedroom here that I'm getting set up, set up in right now to, to start working. I haven't painted in, in about two months, maybe, uh, since we started the preparation for the move. And um, so I'm looking, I'm, I'm going a little, going a little crazy and looking forward to getting back, back to it. 
Yeah, yeah, I'll bet. I'll bet. So, um, so you've been there. Um, you've been there for a little over a year, right? You you left uh, New York, you left Brooklyn. Mm -hmm. About a year and a half we've been out here. Um, my, we had always since we my wife and I got together um, in the early 90s, we started talking about Taos. I think we were reading a lot of books about George O'Keefe and Alfred Stieglitz and some of the artists out here. And uh, we really kind of captured our imagination. And at one time we tried moving from North Carolina to out here to Taos. And I don't know what we were thinking because we were in our early twenties and we just quit our jobs. Didn't know anyone in Taos, didn't know any, any job opportunities or a place to live or anything. And um, we just loaded up a Chevy Sprint and started driving. And um, I think that's the kind of um, trust you have in the universe when you're that, when you're that young and yeah. a little naive too. Um, but our car engine, due to lack of uh, uh, proper oil changes, kind of blew up in uh, West Memphis, Arkansas. Oh, man. And uh, I have family in Memphis, so my dad came and got us and took us to uh, Eureka Springs, Arkansas. And uh, we stayed there for a little while before going on to Texas, but we never made it out to Taos. Oh. And then when the when the the COVID COVID started happening, my wife's job went virtual, and all the offices were closing down in New York. And we decided, you know, it's virtual anyway, so. We can really live anywhere we want um, right now, and uh, so we decided to go ahead and try try Taos and to come out and see what it was like. And uh, so, yeah, here we are, about a year and a half in. Um, I'm giving it another year. Mm -hmm. um, then I really want to get back to the to the East Coast. Uh, I really yeah. miss it. Uh, I know there's a lot of craziness going on right now, but. Uh, in New York City, and but I I I miss it, and I miss the people, and yeah, you know, I'm ready to get back. <laughs> yeah, I understand. Yeah, it's a my very different a, world out there. Oh yeah, my wife is a writer, so she enjoys the quiet. She loves nature, which I love the city, so I don't really like nature that much. And <laughs> uh, she, you know, she just loves it. She loves the hiking. She loves mm. everything about it. I will say, I do love the weather. Because, like right now, we we just had another big snowstorm, but it's always sunny here, almost mm -hmm. always. So, even in the, I mean, it'll get down to like minus nine at night sometimes, but then during the day, it's like forty five, and so um, you know you can be out on a t shirt. Uh, and it's high mountain desert, so you've got that. It's, yeah, it's, it's warm. It's dry. It's yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, it is, it, I just, I just love the city and I love the conveniences of the city and I love the museums and the artwork. And uh, mm. so it's never going to compare in my mind, I don't think, but uh, I mean, it's a nice place. It's a nice place to live. Definitely beautiful. Have you noticed uh, uh, any marked changes in the way that you're working or how it's affected your work being out there? I know that the, there's, it's such a different feel, the city to the desert, it's so expansive and um, it's, it's, a, it's a very different environment. The people are so different. Mm -hmm. I, I don't know, I, I, I always never have really felt that my 
surroundings really um, influence my work usually. I'm, I'm really internally driven in my work and I'm looking at my sources that I, that I uh, draw from and, uh, you know, uh, and looking at myself and my life. And so I, I, I think it, it probably couldn't, can't help but influence you, you know, where you're living uh, in some way. Um, and show up in your work. I'm sure it does. Um, I just, uh, I just don't, I mean, there's nothing here that I really connect with. I don't really, as far as my art goes, I don't really connect with the landscape. I don't really, um, I don't want to make paintings of mountains. I don't want to make, you know, um, and actually, if anything, I think my painting has gotten more congested uh, since I since I moved out here. When I when I left uh, the East Coast, I was incorporating some figure development uh, elements, and uh, but I still had these large um, shapes and kind of these uh, big expanses of flat color, uh, and that's changed a lot since I've been out here. Um, I think if the biggest thing though, I think is uh, that it's just opened my work up and um, being away from the city and being away from everybody else's work and being away from all the work in the museums and the galleries. I think uh, being out here and kind of away has, I don't know, maybe kind of subconsciously given me a, a carte blanche to do anything that I want. And, uh, and you know, we put all those, uh, restrictions on ourselves and um, especially when you're talking about New York and the art world and you can't help but think about an audience and all of those things and there's really no audience here so um, just do what I do feel feel freer to do what I do what I want you know yeah and I, I've noticed what you were saying um, in, in the work that I've seen since you've been out there that there and you talked about that congestion um, or that the, I, I've noticed that there, there are less broad areas of color and more what feels almost like figuration. And I know mm -hmm. that you kind of ride that line a little bit with abstraction and figuration. And, um, but that they, I, they feel a little more like um, non-specific characters and, and there's a lot more um, there are a lot more pieces moving together. I feel yeah. like. Yeah, um, I think I would. I would definitely agree with that. Um, as far as, uh, yeah, I I, uh, I definitely agree with the figure developments. That's that's something that I have have kind of tried to straddle that fence uh, for a long time, and uh, and even in the beginning when I started painting, going back and forth. Um, still wanting to paint figure, really traditional figurative paintings. And um, now I think I'm finding a better way of integrating those things um, uh, in a more personal way. And I can have a little bit of the best of both worlds. The figuration uh, elements are definitely there, but also the abstraction and the freedom of that mm -hmm. um, is, uh, is, uh, comes through as well. So uh, yeah, I think that's, um, I don't know that, and like I said, I don't know that that's a reaction or, or if I can't pinpoint a reaction to the environment here, the reason that change happened. Um, 
I think I've always loved kind of crazy uh, work that's really out there that incorporates um, figurative and abstraction and non-objective and um, writing and every text, everything all in the same thing. And I've been in my way kind of slowly, I think moving towards that place um, for a long time, at least mentally I have. I don't know that I've let it all the time start to influence what I was working on, but um, I think now it's finally starting to, to do that. And um, so maybe being out here, you know, has helped, you know, facilitate that and kind of jog something a little bit, you know. Yeah, not so much the environment itself influencing you directly as much as just the way that you're living, the way that you're experiencing the world and experiencing the, the way that you're making your work. And these the the, the way that the, the shapes are are interacting with the edges, I think is has been really interesting to watch over the last couple of years too. There's been uh, I feel like there's a lot of tension there between these these shapes or figures or whatever you want to call them. Mm. Um, that are kind of moving through the center or, or crushed down or pushing out. I feel like there's a, a really strong tension happening there with the I've edges. Always, I've always kind of been conscious of the edges, even when I was making kind of um, popish influence, uh, uh, geometrical, more geometrical abstraction, uh, more minimalist kind of stuff. I've always been aware of the edges because and that tension that can happen because um, I was trying to create in some of those compositions, they were very simple, but I wanted to create a tension. I wanted to create a tension or an animosity between the colors that I was using. And um, I think that uh, also when you're conscious of those edges and you can kind of have things almost going right to the edge or right to the corner, um, it's a way it's a it's a way to kind of knock the composition off balance a little bit mm -hmm. and um kind of give it a little more uh uneasiness i mean it's it's not easy to put a sense of unease into a geometric <laughs> minimalist abstract painting to me right. and so um so that's those are elements that have helped me that helped me do that mm -hmm. so i've always been kind of conscious of uh of that that element, yeah. that, uh, the edges and, and uh, the tension that can be created. Um, yeah, that's not a new element. I, I feel like it's, um, I've just noticed a, uh, a shift in, in how, it's, um, how it's occurring, just from looking from the outside. I think it's more pronounced as well with mm -hmm. the, um, the kind of, with the kind of contained uh, craziness that's going on in the new work. Um, so I think that kind of, um, I don't know, maybe it brings out that tension a little more because uh, other stuff is a little more uh, frenetic and, um, mm -hmm. you know, a little wilder. That's actually a good word, Louis. You said contained. It made me think of a container that the edges feel sort of like a, a containment of as yeah. opposed to, you know, with painting, we can have the edges of, of the canvas become either a, um, a container or a window, you know, or a doorway, something mm -hmm. that you walk through or becomes more of an object that is placed in front of you. And um, I think I think container is a good description for, for what I'm seeing. Yeah, I um 
I've always done well uh, when I put um, kind of my own kind of restrictions or limitations on my work and say, I'm going to do what I can do within these boundaries. And so I think that's that's both a kind of a mental attitude and it also shows up on the on the uh, on the canvas with that kind of containment. Mm -hmm. Also, I'm, you know, I'm really, really influenced by just uh, comics, graphic novels, things like that. Mm -hmm. The old, uh, kind of the old artists, Jack Kirby and uh, yeah. people that, uh, I mean, and so, you know, you're always looking at that little box. Um, and I think that, uh, I mean, that may be one reason why I used to only paint in a square, I don't know, um, but I was very comfortable doing that. And um, I think it's still, it's a, it's a it's a level of comfort probably dealing with that parameter that border um, because of because of that because of mm -hmm. just comfortable looking at for so many years you know that makes sense and I and you're so yeah you've talked about that before the way that you've been influenced by graphic novels and and that sort of thing but I'm also noticing a lot of like sort of archetypal imagery and mythology coming in that. Yeah, that's another thing that I was talking about that kind of um, like I want to be able because I think about all of these things, you know, and um, I want to be able to feel like I can put anything in the work um, and kind of like a more is more aesthetic right now in my in my mind. And um, yeah, I think that's that's really important. Um, I like that more is more. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah i don't know maybe it's a southern boy you know <laughs> wanting a house like graceland or something like that <laughs> with me that place is magical i went there once and didn't go to the house just to the to the wall outside huh. we went there and it was there was no one else there it was completely desolate which i didn't expect but it it was it was like in a religious experience. There was an energy to that place. Yeah, and all the graffiti wild. walls and uh, and you know the inside of the house. I'm sure you've seen photos. Is, is I've seen photos. Yeah, crazy. You know. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> so um, so I kind of want to. I want. I've been wanting to talk to you about your materials and just kind of geek out on paint for a little bit because um, you've. You've been using acrylics for a long time, right? And yeah. I'm, and you've been started sort of returning to exploring some working with oils as well as doing a lot of like sketchbook collage and um, and ink and that sort of stuff. So I've I've mm -hmm. been kind of wanting to talk to you a little bit about what what you've been doing with that stuff and how how you're finding your um your uh, kind of reconnecting to oil paint. And, yeah, I, I, when I was first in school and I was doing figurative work, um, I only used oil. And, um, but then when I wanted to get into uh, making more abstract or non-objective work, um, I also wanted to expand the size of the canvas. Um, and I just didn't have the technical, I just didn't know how to mix oil paint in an kind of an economical way to cover those broad areas. So mm -hmm. it was kind of just like um, 
a, a you know a, a detriment to me uh, that lack of experience with the medium and everything and so I switched at first to house acrylic house paint mm-hmm. um, and for what I was making then that texture uh, the way it flowed and and just uh, was so flat was very was worked out well mm-hmm. um, and so I stayed with acrylics and and gradually started um, using better and better paint. Um, and, uh, you know, I'm very impatient. So the, the drying time with acrylics was great. Yeah. And, um, I mean, I can, sometimes it's a, it's a blessing or a curse. I don't know, but I can work on one painting all day long, you know, because it dries so quickly. Yeah. Um, but I also just have always really loved the surfaces and the, the, those properties of oil paint, um, the organic quality of it, um, the kind of, when you, if you use something like Williamsburg paint, you know, uh, each color is a little different. It's um, a little more oily or a little less, or it's a little granular or not. And, um, you know, it's just um, a much more alive medium, I think, at least in my, in, in, what I'm capable of doing, you know, my, one of my heroes, uh, John Hoyland, you know, painted in acrylics and especially those late paintings, they're just crazy. These kind of cosmic, uh, uh, scapes and, um, you know, the, the colors are so intense and the surfaces are amazing. Um, but I couldn't really do that with acrylics. You'll find a lot of my decisions and choices are made because of either a lack of knowledge (laughs) <laughs> or lack of experience with something. And so I'm trying Me to too. do something the best way I can, you know, and, yep. uh, or figure out a way that I can do it. And um, yeah, so that's the same with oils right now. Um, I love the surfaces. Um, there is just a lot more to it. You know, I mean, it's just a lot more around the oil paint that you have to do. Um, I mean, I, I don't, I don't wash brushes, so I just leave them sitting in and stuff like that and um and sometimes that helps the colors sometimes it hurts um Mm -hmm. and uh but I just don't really have patience with anything cleaning up uh drying times so I don't know maybe uh you know eventually going back to acrylic um I also I think just from working with acrylic for so many years I'm able to I know it better Mm -hmm. and I'm able to make it do what I want easier and Mm -hmm. um I think I'm 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 more free with it because I don't have to think about those things, um, and I can be more spontaneous. And uh, a lot of times I'll have like a mental block with something like say oil paint or something, and uh, you know other people won't have that block, and they're like, "What are you talking about? You just do this," you know. But mm-hmm. for some reason, it's a barrier or a hurdle in, in my mind. Mm-hmm. And uh, I had a lot of trouble with that in school because. Uh, we didn't have a lot of like really practical instruction in school. And I wanted to see someone set out a palette, like lay out the colors on the palette, like a a hands-on seeing it, um, seeing how they would mix a medium in with the oil paint and how you could uh, change the character of it. I mean, we didn't have any of that kind of stuff. Our our teachers were like, well, you know, you can find that out in the library. 
it, it was a more of a kind of a free for all mm-hmm. and that you just kind of dive in mm-hmm. and 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 uh and and swim and uh so i i I still have that problem. Like I, I, I think that's what bring that's what because most people probably wouldn't have that problem. They wouldn't, it, or at least it wouldn't come to such a become such a barrier to them. You know, for um, I think most people, I don't know, maybe not, but I think most people are a little more. Um, yeah, I'll try this. You know, and I always kind of want to know what it's going to do before I try it. Mm-hmm. Um, is is that's a that's a characteristic that I have to fight against. Uh, in my work, because I want it to be spontaneous, I want it to be, um, you know, organic and all of that. Um, yeah, I can relate to that though. I can. I I didn't have I I didn't want the intense instruction at the time when I went to art school, but um, but we didn't get that in the studio that I chose. It depends on which studio, which teacher you went with, to, right. you know, dictate what kind of education you got. And, uh, and I purposely went with teachers who it was more of a free-for-all where you could just play and experiment. But I, I feel very similarly that now at this point, I'm trying to go back and teach myself a lot of the basics that I would have gotten had I gone a, a slightly different route. I wouldn't change the route I went, but it can become a barrier. But at the same time, it can also be um, something that you know informs what you're doing and you know, right now, the way that you're returning to, to, to kind of teach yourself how to solve some of these problems differently, mm-hmm. how to work with material that's less familiar and push yourself out of those, those comfort zones, I think, um, you know, that, that's a real growth place to be. Yeah, I think that that, that definitely, you're right, that definitely has a value. Um, even if I return back to um, the acrylics, I think that 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 period spent doing that um, has some sort of value, uh, you know, adds another kind of layer to your work, maybe, or to your process. And, uh, you know, you learn by those experiences and then you apply what you can to what you're working on at the moment. You know? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, well, just to kind of stay with that, I, I wanted to to kind of talk a little bit about your um, your sketchbook um, drawings that you've been doing yeah. collage and, and the ink work and, and where that sort of fits into your practice. I think it, uh, to answer that last part first, I think it, it, it is kind of a pre- precursor or um, like a fortune teller in a way. I, I, I see my paintings, my larger paintings, moving more in that direction um, mm-hmm. with more blatant figurative elements um, like the collage elements um, with a more uh, really, really loose and unplanned um, paint application like I'm doing with the ink. Mm-hmm. And um, a lot probably of probably bring you back to acrylic again because of the yeah. ease with which that moves. I think so, yeah. I think that uh, a lot of um, what I'm doing now in the sketchbook, I never used to work in a sketchbook, but but a couple of years ago when COVID happened, I had a lot of anxiety around it. And so I um, would wake up in the middle of the night all the time, you know, every night worrying at 3 a.m., worrying about you know going to the grocery store or something. 
And um, I started putting, uh, leaving an, uh, uh, a sketchbook by my bedside. And I would just uh, try to, when I woke up, I would try to not even open my eyes, but reach over and grab the book. And it had a string bookmark and open it up and just start drawing. I wanted like an automatic drawing kind of experience. And the less like conscious, conscious thought put into it, the, the more I liked it. So I wanted, that's the reason I didn't want to even open my eyes. I wanted just to kind of stay as close to that unconscious state as I could. And uh, I got some good, good drawings uh, in that, in that book. Um, and uh, a little bit of automatic writing too, with phrases and things. And so I think um, that was kind of like a precursor to those ones you're talking about with the collages and everything else um, of working in the sketchbook and getting comfortable working in the sketchbook and, and missing it if I don't do it every day. Mm -hmm. And um, it's, it gets a lot. It gets a, I look at the sketchbook as kind of like a receptacle, almost like a garbage receptacle that everything, I can put anything into it that I want and just mash them together. Um, nothing matters there. Um, it can be as spontaneous or as planned or, you know, as I want it to be. Mm -hmm. And uh, so I look at it as this container that holds all that, that um, it cycles through those ideas quicker and gets those images and those things I'm thinking about, like the religious and the mythological and the comic book and, you know, Star Trek and all that stuff. It gets it out of my head on the paper. I run through ideas quicker that way. And uh, I think that's going to lead to that kind of approach with my, my painting. Mm -hmm. um, right now, my paintings have those figurative elements, but they're very abstracted. Um, and uh, I, just, I, I just want everything in the work. I just want everything in it. I want writing. I want poetry. I want uh, collage. I want realistic imagery. I want a real slapdash, half-ass painterly approach. I mean, I want every, everything mm. as much as I can get into the work. And um, I feel like I'm calmer when I when I do those drawings, because I think it, it, it's like when um, I do TM, uh, Transcendental Meditation, and it's like when you're, when those thoughts come up during meditation, and it, they, they say it's like a release of tension when you have those thoughts that, that draw you away from the mantra. And I think that putting all of that, just getting all of that out of my head and into the sketchbook um, is almost a release of tension uh, as mm -hmm. well. And I don't have to worry about it so much because it's it's there. And if I want to go back and see it, I can look at it. I can reference it. I can, you know, it's it's down there. It's it's on paper. It's out of here. It's it becomes right. other. It's it's less clutter. It's pressure right. release valve. Yeah. I think so. Yeah. 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 I yeah. think that's the most important, probably the most important aspect of it. Mm-hmm. That makes a lot of sense. I do a lot of, of writing too. And I, I always want to just keep filling sketchbooks with, with drawings and drawings and drawings. And I go through periods of time like that, but um, I can't tell you how many sketchbooks are just filled with 
pointless pages and pages and pages of writing yeah. but you know but it's the same thing it gets it out it's 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 a it's a release it's a it's a processing you know and especially you're talking about like going through it and you know the anxiety around anything it's almost it, like a like a visual um journal journal yeah. form of journaling you know it is journaling absolutely um, getting it out there and mm -hmm. um you know and when i do that when i work in my sketchbook regularly i have to eat less gummies <laughs> yeah. so it's, it's, um, oh, it's economical papers right, exactly, for the exactly. yes <laughs> sketchbook, uh, 11 by 14 sketchbook is a lot more economical yes well, i thought it was it was funny when you said earlier about you know you didn't know how to to make covering such a large surface with oil paint um done in an economical way and i thought there there just isn't an economical way i'm i you know I, I work on six foot oil paintings there's no economical way to cover that much real estate with oil paint it just yeah. is what it is yeah. yeah yeah i mean you have to i mean that's the that's the scourge of of artists yeah you know from the impressionist and probably way before yep. how are we gonna pay to get this to get how this are we gonna get this? To get this tube of paint to get this yeah paint? yeah yeah exactly we need patrons <laughs> um yeah I, well i think a, a lot of people also when this when when the shutdown happened and everything a lot of us kind of returned to smaller you know um working in sketchbooks working on smaller surfaces doing things that were more intimate more mm -hmm. personal we had to work from home in smaller spaces um there was there was a lot of factors that go into that so i i, I feel like it was sort of a natural place to go but then also that kind of therapeutic aspect to it um yeah. where you know i think journaling writing drawing all of that there's an intimacy to it and there's something very personal to it mm -hmm. so maybe there's i don't know it just got me thinking about that that link between you know what we kind of get out in that automatic way onto paper um but also the 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 personal precious intimate nature of what we put into a book mm -hmm. and then the way that some of that can then be translated onto the work that you're doing on canvas where maybe it's it becomes a a sort of a bridge where the things that wouldn't come out typically if you were just to go directly to the painting mm -hmm. because there's yeah. so many formal concerns and it's and it's a slower process yeah, what kind of paint you're using yeah i think i think that's i think that's right i think um because i i never have worked from sketches or anything like that and i won't i won't even if i start to make paintings that are more in line with those those sketchbook collages and ink drawings i won't use those as references um mm -hmm. i still want to approach the canvas without any real preconceived ideas of what I'm going to do mm -hmm. um but because that's what makes it exciting to me that's what is you know um if it's all planned out step by step um you, you feel sometimes like you're doing a paint by numbers or a coloring yeah. book or something. um but yeah I think that that will uh that aspect of 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 approaching something with no precon preconceptions approaching the work is is something that will will still stay in the in the bigger more finished pieces but um the the sketchbook is just like practice for those um 
And there are themes that come up in the sketchbook. Like I was doing a bunch of collages and, uh, and drawings on the theme of Lazarus. Yeah. Um, and uh, I mean, and that's a theme I would want to, you know, make a bigger, larger work, more finished work of um, uh, kind of based on. And so, uh, you know, so, so the, it will definitely inform those subjects and those ideas that are coming in the, in the sketchbook will definitely inform what I'm doing, you know, on, on the mm -hmm. canvas. Yeah. Are there, are there ideas that you kind of get hooked on like that, like Lazarus or, um, you know, and any like specific stories that you kind of, you get, you get hooked <clears> on the <throat> idea and you, you kind of can't let it go, or do you just kind of, something come and then you, you work with it i was wondering that if you because i know that what you were just saying um that you don't go to it with a specific idea you want it mm -hmm. to be a more spontaneous thing um so is it that these images sort of start to emerge as you're working you know does does something um you know, like these these mythological references or or star trek character or, or something that that starts to emerge I think I've always worked that way. Even when uh, I was just doing more non-objective work, um, I would I would notice after I did a um, a body of work that this same a very similar form or whatever would keep reappearing, mm -hmm. and it would last for a while in the work, and then it seems like all of a sudden it would just run its course, and something else would kind of start showing up in the work. And I would have to kind of look back at the body of work and see that that imagery repeated and then also think about what was going on like with me at the time or and then I would say, oh, that shape references this thing or this experience or this, you know, which I wouldn't be thinking about it when I was working, making the painting. And uh, I think that uh, that's the way I kind of start these drawings and start any work on canvas is that I kind of just start working, putting materials and, and paint and everything, drawings on the canvas. And then it's like the old Leonardo da Vinci would talk about seeing the shapes on the wall and the plaster on the wall or something. Mm -hmm. I, see, I see a form that reminds me of something probably that I've been reading about or thinking about or is rattling around in there somewhere. And um, so I start to capital, capitalize on that. And then as that progresses, it almost kind of narrows itself down to where, oh, this is what the painting's about. And it's very easy to finish it at that point. Um, mm -hmm. Once I have in my mind, after that period of just like process, um, then all of a sudden I'll have, oh, this is what this painting's about. That's what that form is. And then it seems like it's very easy after that to finish the work. Mm -hmm. um, and the same kind of thing, those, 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 I will keep seeing those, seeing a similar image in those Rorschach tests of paint on the canvas, you know. Yeah. And so it does end up being kind of like a series in a way, because they will be like, um, I, I had a weird experience recently. Um, uh, a woman I was very close to when I was younger uh, died recently, and she was two years younger than me. And uh, it was shocking 
just for that <laughs> fact that it is somebody that's a peer that yeah. uh, you know is has passed, um, and all those the feelings that I had for her at the time um, kind of started bubbling around. I guess when I was doing those drawings in the sketchbook, for some reason a um, a moth form kept showing up, and then I I started looking for imagery of moths online and making photocopies and uh, doing collage, collaging them into the drawings. Um, and so that kind of turned into a little series of drawings and collages that I think is, is directly related to that experience of hearing about my friend's death um, and shows up in, shows up in the work. And I'm not sure how a moth is connected with her. I'm not sure, or you know, or how I feel about her, or whatever. But mm -hmm. you just kind of go with it, and uh, yeah, you know, that's the that's the that's when the kind of the the magic starts happening when when you're not really sure of what's going on, but something is happening. You know, absolutely, yeah, yeah. yeah I think that's the the, the, the describing it in that way it's that is the magic of it there's to over explain it would be to kind of rob it of its of that magical kind yeah, of essence the, of that moment that, you know what makes it yeah 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 i and, and it kind of frees you too um and and because of the the, the way that those themes kind of come out naturally when i'm when i'm working it kind of frees me up a little bit to be, because I know in the back of my mind that there's gonna be some, there's always gonna be some connection to my subconscious or what's going on or things I've read. And it's all gonna coalesce eventually. And so I can kind of count on that in a, in a weird way. So I don't have to think about it so much. Um, I just can can work and kind of know that there's going to be some kind of cohesion, some kind of glue that holds all of that together in the end. Um, so that's the kind of freeing as well. Um, yeah. It's a freeing way to work, you know. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Wow, this is this is very cool. Because this is <laughs> well, I'm listening to you kind of put into put into words in your own words, um, you know, experiences that are very personal to me when I'm working as well. So I, I, I completely understand, at least from my own perspective, where you're coming from. And, and it makes a lot of sense. I think that's one great thing about, about knowing other artists, mm -hmm. um, you know, and some you hit it off with and some you don't, but you, you always start out with some of those, with some things in common, mm -hmm. right? We all have at least some of the aspects of those same experiences, you know, when we're standing in front of a, a blank canvas and, um, and, and our love of material and that kind of stuff that automatically gives, gives you a little bit of a, maybe a more surface connection with other painters, but it's something, you know, and uh, yeah. it's almost like, um, like a cult in a way. Yeah. <laughs> It's like a private club. You have your own language. You have your own yeah. feelings, the feelings that you share uh, yeah. about work in general. And, you know. mm -hmm. 
So yeah, and good. sometimes it's that surface thing, but other times it's it's much deeper. It's you know it's 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 like the core of where it comes from, why we do what we do, how we do what we do. Well, I think that's that's when um, that's when the connection becomes the connection with the person becomes deeper as well. Mm-hmm. Um, because you know, I would say a good eighty percent of painters I don't like, mm-hmm. but you know those twenty percent that I do like, I love. You know, right. and I'm not talking about the work. I'm talking about the people. People. Um, yeah. uh, one of my really good friends, my best friend probably is Deborah Ramsey. She's a painter, mm-hmm. but her work is very, very different from mine. Very different. But, but I think that it has that, we have that thing that you were just talking about, that connection with how we feel about art in general, how we feel, maybe the, the source of why we make work is the same. It may not be the same looking work or our concerns are totally different, but we have that, 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 that well that it springs from mm-hmm. is similar. And um, so it, it, it creates a, a closeness, closeness with another, with another uh, painter when you, when you share those things. It doesn't have to be like, oh, I like messy um, organic oil paintings and you like messy organic oil paintings. So we're automatically going to, you know, right. um, somebody's work can be totally different, but the motivations can still be the same. Most of my best friends who of, of the artists that are that I'm very close with, our work is so completely different. Mm-hmm. So completely different. And, the, and the, the work that I love to look at, I, I remember years ago realizing that I didn't have to make the work that I love to look at. <laughs> and that freed me. Because that's I was trying good, to yeah, make that's, that's a tricky one, and it's a good re- revelation revelation to have. You know? Yeah, and then to to understand that I also don't have to make work that looks like the people's work that I love, that the people who I love who make work. It does. We don't have to do things the same. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, yeah, because there's so much more to it. It's a much deeper connection, and there's um, there's so much more going on underneath. There's there's a certain connection that we have with each other because of what we do. Mm-hmm. Um, that is is unique to our relationships um yeah which is something that that you want to get back to yeah that thing that uh that thing that you're talking about about uh uh finally realizing that you have permission not to make the kind of work that you love Mm -hmm. um is a big one i think that was big that's big for me too and actually it still sometimes comes up you know yeah it's like that is it the john cage thing about the people in the room and they start yes. to leave. I mean, sometimes they come back, you know? Oh, yeah. <laughs> they're dealing with that again. Sometimes there's no room to walk into the room. <laughs> right. So, yeah, you, uh, that's a, that's a big one. That was, that was, a uh, that's kind of like a, I think a turning point in probably every artist or painter's, uh, kind of what, if you want to call it, career, whatever that you or realize. Or development. Yeah, development, that's a better word, that you, that you realize that. Um, yeah. And uh, yeah, I mean, I think that, I, I think with me, um, like I, we were talking before about the pandemic and how uh, it kind of, kind of condensed everything, you know, making smaller, more intimate work, maybe having to work from home in a smaller space, yeah. um, having less interaction um, with, other people, other artists, other painters. Um, I kind of had, I had high hopes actually for the art world um, when the uh, 
pandemic first started happening um, because I was thinking, well, maybe this will sober people up a little bit and maybe they'll start working from a more serious place or from a, um, I mean, in general, of course, there are always artists that are doing great, you know, but I mean, the stuff you see, like say on social media and all of that, um, that maybe it will um, make people kind of go inward a little more and the work will become more quirky and personal and um, all those good things um, that mm -hmm. I value in work. Um, but I haven't really, I haven't really seen that in, in the bigger picture, I don't think. I think mm -hmm. uh, the art world, artists in general are eager to just have business as usual um, and get back out there and start doing it. And, um, you know, I mean, there's, it's just the thing I see, I see a lot with the figurative work that you see right now. Um, I think, is it, is it Nicole Eisman that's the, um, that's a figurative? Yeah, I think so. Figure, sort of kind of cart. Yeah, 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 yeah. And, and to me, all the figurative work I see looks like, looks derivative of her work right now. It's all these bright colors, um, kind of cartoony forms, figures, mm -hmm. uh, maybe a plant in the background, um, you know, an interior. Um, it looks more illustrative to me than say like a real, what I consider a real figurative painting, like a, a Ernst Ludwig Kirchner painting mm -hmm. or Emil Nolde painting mm -hmm. um, where, you're making a figurative painting, but you're working on it. It is a, it's a serious thing. Yeah. You're, you're, you're almost carving this painting out yeah. of raw material. Yeah. And, uh, and the, the, the work has a, the, the subject matter has a, almost like a spiritual connection to you. The, the, the people, the person you're painting or the object you're painting. Um, where I don't really, I, I guess it's because of the finished, the way that the painting is finished. I guess I don't see any struggle in that, in that work or any real emotion in that work. It all looks like an illustration, like, mm -hmm. like you're reading a story about a, you know, guy and a dog walking, you know, or whatever. And there's the painting, there's the illustration of it that goes in, in the story. Yeah, um, it doesn't seem any more any deeper than that to me. Um, mm -hmm. Or maybe I'm just getting old and an asshole. <laughs> <laughs> getting cynical in our old age, right? Right. Yeah, I don't know. And, and you know, I mean, you know, it's it's always it's always easy to say, well, this. Well, I mean, that's what it is, right? It's all judgment. I mean, you're always constantly evaluating what you're looking at what you're presented with and and judging it on some way in some level you know and also you've got to you know when we're so much of the work that we're seeing now um is not in person it's online it's instagram it's facebook it's being yeah. curated for us it's being you know algorithmically fed to us so we don't unless we're checking in specifically with people that we want to keep up with, we're not always seeing. We're, you know, I'm. I haven't been noticing the same thing that you're describing. I've been seeing something different coming up in my feeds. Um, so, 
so I'm very interested in what you're talking about because I, I haven't noticed that as much. I think also um, that's a big aspect of it, the social media aspect of it. And mm -hmm. also I think just the way the art world in general is working right now with um, the focus that, like, as it's been for some years on fairs mm -hmm. and um, that kind of sh showplace kind of presentations yeah. of work. And I think that people look for a certain kind of work that they know is going to pop in those places. And so almost the work can almost is almost sometimes made for those mm -hmm. environments. And I think that's in my opinion, is detrimental to the to the work as well. I agree. Um, you know, just that kind of. I've also noticed this sort of boutique thing over the last several years, where there's, um, you know, the, these these these. They they call themselves galleries, but they're not in the fine art traditional sense a gallery. They they're more of a boutique, a shop where there's you know, a lot of handmade items being sold, but it's not, you know, they're sort of sprinkling in, you know, some paintings or small scale, you know, mm -hmm. framed artwork to kind of fill in spaces on the walls around like the jewelry and the, and the scarves, oh. which there's nothing wrong with all of that stuff, but it's a completely different world. Yeah, from, uh, see, I think there's something wrong with it. Uh, but, well, I mean, uh, yeah, I'm trying, I'm trying to not be an asshole, but. <laughs> <laughs> Luckily, I don't have that. Uh, you can all do what you want to do. No, it's no. From your list of God's ear, uh, here in Taos, because you know that's yeah. exactly what you're talking about. Um, there is a place called the Valley here that mm -hmm. I, I like. That that is a true gallery that has a show a month, and uh, you know brings in some different um, different perspectives and uh, so maybe some artists from different areas from LA or from Chicago or someplace like that. Uh, but by and large, it's those kind of places that you're talking about. And because it's a tourist town, it's all geared towards tourism. Um, so what do people, people don't want really an abstract painting when they go to Taos, they want something that's going to remind them of their, of their trip. So they want a picture of Taos Mountain or something and or an adobe uh, in a sunset or right, a, a little <laughs> little guy walking with a hat on you know uh, uh -huh. um, but uh, so that's what you get you know um i noticed that when i was there too yeah so but i've lived i've lived a lot of places that are that are like i've lived in a lot of i lived in saint augustine florida for a while and that i love saint augustine i loved where we were we were a block from the beach and so it was incredible but um you know, as far as the artwork that that was being made there, I mean, I would, wouldn't even call it that. I mean, it's uh, it's starfish paintings and dolphins jumping out of the water and things like that. You know, because that's what the tourists want to buy. Yeah. yeah, I've always been very lucky, and I know it's a it's it really is a privilege um, that I take for granted and that I don't um, always think of when I should. But um, I've been incredibly privileged to have a partner that values art as much as I do and thinks it's a worthwhile um, endeavor uh, for me to, to spend you know, my full time working on it. Um, and uh, you know, a lot of people don't have that. A lot of people have to 
depend on, or they want to depend on uh, money from making art because they want to be working artists and they want to do what they love and make money and be able to support themselves from it. But I've never, I've always wanted to kind of stay away from that. And if I need a job, like I was, I'm, was working at an art museum uh, recently mm -hmm. uh, for about the last maybe six or eight months. And uh, if I need a job, if I want to save money for something or I want us to be able to go somewhere or do something, um, I always want to have it totally unrelated to actually making work. Uh, all my jobs before, because I don't have a, a master's degree, mm -hmm. are always, you know, working in a warehouse or mm -hmm. working in a bookstore or working in, a, in an art museum or uh, an art store. Mm -hmm. And uh, I've always much preferred having that kind of job way of making money separate from my work. Mm -hmm. And then I don't get burned out on making work. I can go in the studio and feel kind of energized um, rather than saying, oh, I've got to do another house portrait for this real estate agent that just sold a you know house and it's going to give me you know 50 bucks but I don't really want to do it and, and then you start I don't know it's, it pollutes the way you think about art I think and the way you, you think yeah, about yeah. making art and I mean you don't know how many tattoo artists I know that their their work ends up looking like tattoos mm -hmm. <laughs> designs mm -hmm. <laughs> it bleeds over into their into their work you know yeah, you've got to be careful of that. Yeah, you do. Absolutely. It's very difficult. It's, it's, it's always a tough balance. Mm -hmm. Like yeah. I said, it's, I, I realize I'm very privileged and, and in large part, you know, mostly because of my wife, the kind of job that she's able to get that can that can pay for a studio and really and pay for paints um, when I need them. And uh, and that's just something that that most people don't don't have right and, uh, so when i'm when i'm preaching about this stuff you got to take it with a grain of salt because everybody's in their own you know reality everybody has to do it oh yeah you know. and you also you're only speaking about what works for you and for me yeah <clears throat> you know for some people the idea of you know using their their skills to to make work that they can make money off you know whether it's their main work you know as far as you know what what they do in the studio if it's just what they do that makes the money or if they have a side gig of making different kinds of art that makes the money to allow them to keep mm -hmm. making their more authentic work or whether it's a side gig or a full-time day job or you know we all kind of we all have to eat yeah. and the galleries just aren't um able to support us all there's too many of us and the market is too fickle and yeah. uh I think we all had high hopes, not just for the art world, but for the world in general at the beginning of the pandemic. And, you know, things uh, things seemed good for a while. We were all talking about how nature was coming back and there were, you know, birds in the Venice Canal and there, you know, there was, the world was sort of coming back and the, the you know, things were quiet. The, you know, I, I, I wasn't hearing the traffic from the, the highway, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. you know, for, for several months and it was glorious. And then one day it all started coming back. Yeah. And, uh, and I think um, we all had high hopes, but, um, but, you know, the art world is a, is a, is a big, that's a, that's a, that's a big term. Yeah. Yeah. You know, because there's the really art, and art world. and then there's the gallerists and then there's the, you know, the blue chips and the small guys and the, you know, there's so mm -hmm. many of it. It's so diverse. 
I was talking to a, a, <clears throat> a meditation teacher and they were talking about going on these kind of silent retreats mm. and they go for sometimes up to a month and they go somewhere and they're just, they're, they're cut off totally. No internet, no phone, no computer TV. Um, and it, they don't talk. Nobody talks. And they're just, it's just silence. And I don't think that I could really stand that because I love the sound of my voice too much. <laughs> but but uh, I, it, it was fascinating just to think of putting yourself in that world, in yeah. that much quieter, much more pared down um, where you start looking at, okay, well then, so if I don't have all these things, what do I really have to make my work? What do I really have to, you know, um, to kind of interest me and keep me going mm -hmm. when I can't fill all my time with cotton candy, meaningless, you know, ephemera? Mm -hmm. um, what do I need to really, what, what can I really, what am I really thinking about? What am I really you know, doing? Mm -hmm. and, um, and maybe that's a little scary too, you know? It's terrifying. I mean, uh, when I, you know, when I was growing up, there was no computers, there was no smartphones, there was no, no you know, we had a telephone and, uh, and, and actual record albums. Um, mm. And uh, in a way, it was, it's very different. And it, it was, aspects of it were somehow more rewarding sometimes, at least I think when the way I look at it and think, think back at it. Um, but then also, I don't think you can, you can, you just got to go with the flow and you just got to go with uh, what's happening and what's going on, where mm -hmm. you are. Um, and, you know, I'm not like uh, a monk living in a cell no. uh, painting. That's not my life. Um, my life is something very different from that. And so, uh, you know, you got to work with what you got. That's your source. That's your, uh, mm -hmm. you know. Yeah. Yeah, I think finding that 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 balance because we we talk about going from such extremes of being immersed in you know technology and and all of this like fast paced and lots of information going in 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 all the time, mm -hmm. um, and then the polar opposite, the month long silent, no technology, no talking retreat, you know, away from everyone and everything. Mm -hmm. Those are such extremes, and I, I don't think we have to go. I mean, that there's benefits to that mm -hmm. and. I think it's it's something that I mean it could be extremely beneficial. I wouldn't mind doing it maybe for a weekend, mm -hmm. trying it for a weekend. I don't think I want to do a month, but um, but I think you know finding that balance where you can find those moments of silence. You yeah. Know, um, yeah, you know, like you were talking about waking up and and reaching for the book with your eyes closed. You know, um, kind of the morning pages, the morning drawings. Those those moments of silence, taking advantage of that. Yeah to kind of calm and balance out all of the stuff that we take in it's yeah it's a it's a tightrope <laughs> that we're it all is. <laughs> because you do need that you do need some of that isolation i think to to actually to get into and start making your work you know yeah um, but uh i don't know especially because i'm out here and i'm so far from uh friends and uh family and um things i really care about 
that that lifeline through social media or the computer or being able to see uh, James Calm's uh, mm -hmm. videos of shows he's going to see in New York and things like that, yeah. you know, they're a real, that's a real lifeline. Um, yeah. You know, um, so, and like I said, that's the world we're living in. So. Exactly. <laughs> I'm sure everybody, I'm sure, you know, uh, you know, uh, Kandinsky complained about too much input <laughs> you, know? Sure. <laughs> you know the way the the the, the state of the arts in 1910 you know yeah. it's so crazy and lamenting the way it was before the turn of the century yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah there's always yeah we're always that's one thing we can count on is that we're always the same people we're always gonna have the same complaints and the same cynicism if we allow it in yeah yeah, yeah. i mean one of the biggest thing i i I guess when Hamilton was really popular on broad on Broadway and all that, mm -hmm. my wife uh, started reading a lot about Alexander Hamilton and reading biographies and the uh, um, just different stuff like the um, you know band of uh, was it band of brothers? It's the uh, or is it? I'm thinking of something else, but about oh, the founding sure. fathers and all of that. Um, yeah, and uh, it was just. Uh, it's just a much, uh, what the more you study history like that, the more you read about it, the more you, the more you realize that what we're going through politically right now is, is kind of the same. I mean, they had people slapping each other on the floor of Congress, you know, and stuff back then. I mean, they, <laughs> they hated each other, a lot of them, you know, uh -huh. and, you know, there was just as much sabotage, just as much bickering, just as much. You know, we can we can do more of it now because we have technology, but yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. it hasn't changed. Like you said, we're still the same kind of thing. Yeah, we're just we're just we're we're seeing it in real time now. There's so many more people and it's also immediate mm -hmm. that we're seeing it happen in real time rather than yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so there's a couple of questions or topics um that Phil likes to ask. And uh, oh, his guests, and one of them is, can you use five words or less to describe your work? I have one that I've that I've that I've thought of a lot before, and uh, the phrase is in describing my work is an aid against bewilderment, because mm -hmm. I think it 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 helps make your work helps make sense of the world and your life and all of those things when when everything is so bewildering and you do have all of this input and all of this craziness um working is a way of kind of knowing yourself um and uh and kind of calming those things down so that's the I, like that. <laughs> I like that <laughs> i don't know who said i i wish i could remember who said that because i didn't come up with it um Someone said it, and I thought, yeah, that's what that's what it is for me, you know. Um, but I don't, I can't remember who came up with that. But anyway, one of these days you'll come across it. I yeah. bet you could Google it. Speaking of technology, right. it doesn't matter. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, well, that that might kind of go hand in hand with uh, the other um, the other thing, which is, is there a, a quote or a poem or anything that you wanted to share? 
I was thinking about that as well. Um, there's a there's a couple of quotes. Um, one is uh, by Patrick Graham, who's an Irish painter. Um, I would say he's probably in his maybe his early seventies now. He shows at Hillsborough Fine Art in Dublin. Um, just an amazing, amazing painter. Just heavy, heavy work. You know, I mean, just poetic and gritty. It's everything. Uh, but his quote, um, I'll, I'll read real quick. Um, it says, never in my time and throughout history have I seen so much invested in art made by young artists to simply reflect the age and its addiction to sensation by giving it what it desires without consideration to the sustaining notion that great art is stillness personified, that it is process and it is evolutionary, that it is to be contemplated that it catalogs our futile attempts to ridicule time and that makes us beautiful. Mm. I just, I love that. That's gorgeous. Yeah, it's amazing. He's, he's an amazing guy, amazing painter. Um, and that I think is, is, is real, it has a lot to say about what we were just talking about, that, yeah. that kind of us, the sensation and always playing to this, computerized digital world we live in and and you see it now with like the nfts and all of that stuff is just and what value does an nft have really i mean every time i talk I, i'm in a conversation about nfts it always comes down to back around to money and how much money and cryptocurrency and how much money people make from them and and it's never about the image or the art or it's an investment tool yeah, that's all it is. And that, that's why I think that's that's very, that's that's something, that quote I think is good for the times we're in. Absolutely. It also speaks to what you were, it also speaks to what you were talking about with that sort of um, illustrative quality to the, the figuration as opposed to getting to the meat of what's right. underlying the figure, digging through, finding what's deeper. Mm -hmm. And the, the second quote is, is shorter. And mm -hmm. um, it's, um, by Lawrence Durrell, um, the writer. I don't know if you've seen the, the TV show, The Durrells of Corfu. On no, TV. I haven't. Uh, it's a really great, it's, it's a really great show. And, 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 and Lawrence Durrell, it's about his family. Oh. So he, it's about him when he was younger and living with his family on, uh, on Corfu. But uh, the- I think the, I have uh, a book of letters between him and Henry Miller that's one. Exactly, yeah, we talked about Henry Miller before. Yeah, and he yeah. was a with Henry Miller's. Yeah, yeah. Um, so this quote, um, let's read you the last part of it. It says, if art has any message, it must be this, to remind us that we are dying without having properly lived. And I think that's, uh, both of those quotes kind of go to the heart of what I, what art is for me, what I hope my art will be one day, mm. you know, those, all of that. Um, so that, I love, I love both of those, love both of those quotes. Those are beautiful. Yeah. Yeah. I think they round this up perfectly. <laughs> yeah. So this has been really, really fun. I've enjoyed talking with you. Yeah. Same here. Same here. You know, we've been following each other's work for a while and I think yeah. we were, uh, we were both in that show at the Eli Center, um, yeah. in New Haven. Yep. 
few years ago. And so yeah, that was uh, a really fun show. Yeah. And uh, so it's nice to actually, you know, talk to you some more and, you know, get to know you a little better. And uh, yeah, I've been looking forward to this. This is a conversation I think we both wanted to have for a while. Definitely. definitely. We should have more of them. We will as soon as I can get back to. Uh, <laughs> well there's always zoom <laughs> thank god for technology yeah exactly <laughs> well i wish you the best with everything in your new home and um and with with everything that's coming up for you thank you very is there much. anything else that, that you wanted to add into this do you have anything coming up you want to talk about before we um, sign off Coming up, the only thing I have is kind of distant in the summer. I think I'm going to be in a group show in Anchorage, Alaska. Oh. There's a painter named uh, Graham Dane uh, and his wife, Linda Infante Lyons. Um, and they are in Anchorage. They've been there. He's, he's British, but they've, he's been there for years. And uh, he um, is, teaches up there. And he works with, with an art center, a contemporary art center up there. And uh, he wants to put on a show, uh, you know, a group show. So I'm, I'm looking forward to that. And it, it'll give me an excuse to go visit Alaska. And see yeah. I've never been there before. So. That's wonderful. Yeah. But I don't have any details about that yet. It's just, it's in the, in the future somewhere. Coming up. That's great. Um, yeah. Look forward to hearing more about that. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you. Thank this you. Wonderful. I appreciate it. Yeah, great talking to you. You too. Many thanks to Lauren Levine for guest hosting today. Check out her work at laurenglevineart.com. That's Lauren G. Levine, L-E-V-I-N-E, art.com. And of course, today's feature guest, Paul Benke. For more on his work, please visit paulbenke.net. That's Paul Benke, B-E-H-N-K-E dot net. Thanks for listening. This has been Oddcast. I'm your host, Philip J. Mellon. Thanks for listening. And keep the dialogue going. Okay, wait, wait, wait. Let me ask you this. Define abstract art. Oh, come on. Okay, here's a better one. What does this painting mean? <sighs> I'm getting nowhere with this. Forget it. Hotcast Home is A-H-T-T-A-S-T dot com. Thanks again. Sounds like the party's over, but you can still stay connected. Otcast Audio is on Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, Spotify, and Stitcher, and now on Google Podcasts. Otcast Social on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, and Tumblr. Let's not forget about Instagram. Thanks for tuning in.